Hello, and welcome to A History of Alexander the Great. Episode 20. Endgame. In our last episode, we brought Alexander down the Indus, through the Gendrosian Desert, where he faced many difficulties. Terrible weather faced him as he worked his way down the Indus. Some suspect that it was a tsunami and the dryness and heat of Gedrosia. But, after much loss of life, Alexander had returned to the centre of his empire. This week, we begin to cover the end game of Alexander's life, as he returns to Mesopotamia, covering Alexander's visit to the tomb of Cyrus the Great, the tale of Calanus, and what could be called Alexander's reign of terror. Having reunited with Nearchus, Alexander ordered Hephaestion to march into Persia, down the coastal route, with the elephants and baggage train. It was December of 325 BC, and was thus cold. Better to take the slower-moving troops down the warmer coastal route, where there were more supplies. And, after all... Everyone knows not to take elephants through mountains in the winter. Don't we, Hannibal? Alexander, meanwhile, would take the most mobile of the infantry, the companions, and some archers, to Parsagardai, the old Persian capital of Cyrus the Great. At this city was the tomb of Cyrus, one of the greatest monarchs in world history. However... The tomb was not doing as well as the memory of Cyrus was. It had been broken into and robbed. Everything other than the divan and the coffin had been taken, and the coffin was in pieces around the tomb, as people had thrown the body out of it and tried to take the coffin away, but failed. In short, it was a sorry sight. Alexander was not pleased. Alexander ordered that it be repaired, the coffin be rebuilt with what was left of the body placed inside it. All the original furnishings were to be recreated, while the door into the tomb was built in stone and covered in plaster, on which would be set the royal seal. This was only part of Alexander's actions. The Magi, who guarded the tomb, were arrested and tortured, as Alexander tried to find out who had raided the tomb, This proved useless, as the Magi refused to speak. Now here is the million-pound question. Are these the actions of a man showing respect to another culture he was trying to link to his own? Or the actions of a man who was increasingly mentally unstable? Alexander was a man interested in philosophy. You'll know this from episode 3, when I spoke about Alexander's meeting with Diogenes of Sinope. Just as Alexander was demeaned by Diogenes, so too would the Indian sages not approve of his pursuit of glory. When Alexander met with them, with his army, they stamped their feet. This greatly confused Alexander, and he asked what they were doing. They told him, that a man could only possess whatever land he was standing on. So why was he always busy and up to no good, so far away from home? Soon enough he would be dead, and all the land he would own would be enough to bury him. 
Alexander fully approved of this. He didn't listen to it, though. Or did he? There is another account of Alexander being told to stop meddling so far away from home, when he met Calanus. Calanus threw a shrunken piece of animal hide on the ground, and walked all along the perimeter. At the place where Calanus stood, the hide would be flat, but it would stick up in other places. Finally, Calanus stood in the centre of the hide, and the whole hide remained flat. The meaning was not lost on Alexander. Were he to remain on the fringes of his empire, there would be trouble in other places. So he should concentrate his authority on the centre. These anecdotes may have played a small part in sending Alexander back to the heart of his empire, Mesopotamia, but I suspect his troops' refusal to march any further may have had more to do with it. Nonetheless, Alexander was very impressed by these stages, or as we know them, Brahmins, to such an extent that in Taxila he wished to take one of them back from India with him. Dandamis, the leader of the group, declined to go on himself, and forbid any of his pupils to go as well. He told Alexander that he had enough to live on. He had no desire for anything Alexander could offer him. Alexander was convinced that Dandamis truly was a free man, and so would not force him. However, another man did join him, the aforementioned Calanus. Calanus was greatly criticised for the decision, as he chose to serve another master other than God. And so Calanus joined the expedition. He travelled to Persia with Alexander, but then his health declined. He had always been a healthy man in India, but in Persia he lost all his strength. Calanus said that he was prepared to die, as this was more preferable than changing his ways. Unable to talk him out of it, Alexander prepared a magnificent funeral pyre for Calanus. There was to be a procession to the pyre, but Calanus was unable to walk, so a horse was provided, but he was unable to mount it. So he was carried on a litter. He was wreathed with garlands, and traditional Indian songs were sung. He mounted the pyre, laid himself down. He did not give any sign of shrinking from the flames. There was a salute to him. Once the fire was kindled, while the troops gave a battle cry, and the elephants joined in. There is another tradition, that Alexander refused to say goodbye to Alexander, as he would see him in Babylon shortly. You may have noticed the hints of a darker tone to the stories. This is an effective technique used by the sources to let you know that things will soon be coming to an end. It's unlikely there were so many omens pointing to Alexander's death, if any, but I'm going to leave them in, as it makes the story much better. Now, speaking of a darker tone, let's cover Alexander's reign of terror. So... What do I mean by Alexander's reign of terror? At the beginning of the winter of 325-324 BC, there were 22 functioning satraps. By the end of the winter, only five were unaffected. Four died of unknown reasons, five were summoned to Alexander's court, and eight were deposed, 
six of these were killed. Now, let's look at the obvious question. What on earth was going on? According to Paul Cartledge, there are two explanations. That Alexander did have a reign of terror, or that this was reform. Let's look at the latter first. There were explanations for all the depositions of the satraps, that they had abused their officers, not expecting Alexander to ever come back, and to die either on the far side of the Indus or in the Gadrosian desert. But Alexander was here now, and he was not impressed. You'll recall that Alexander was very trusting of his friends early on. He had been so unwilling to execute Philotus, but he had changed. He was more willing to believe the bad things about them, and so they were deposed, or summoned to his court, or killed. And there is the fact that only eight satraps were deposed. Is that really a reign of terror? Then there is the second explanation, that those aforementioned points were excuses, covering a real reign of terror. Many of those removed from office were Iranians, and Macedonians were put into their place, and these would owe their positions to Alexander, and so would be loyal. Today, some historians even wonder whether this was Alexander getting the anger out of the mutiny at the Hyphasis and the disaster of the crossing of the Gedrosian Desert. I'm not going to act like I know which of these views is right, but there is something that historians must not forget. History is not black and white. It is perfectly acceptable to think what really happened was somewhere in between these two extremes. That Alexander wanted to secure the loyalty of the satraps, but did really care about his subjects and their sufferings. Remember, you can find us online at thehistoryofpodcast.blogspot.com And from there, you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google+, and Tumblr. You can also email us at thehistoryofpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions about anything. Well, anything to do with Alexander, I guess. This week, for our Amazon link recommendation on the website, I shall recommend From the Gracchi to Nero. A History of Rome from 133 BC to AD 68 by Howard Hayes Scullard. A good explanation of one of my favourite periods of history, and it is well told, something that all good history should be. Thanks to Peter John Ross for the music, and thanks to you for listening. Join me next time as we cover the mutiny at Opus. <laughs>